0: Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a Baywatch. Because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School. A podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And Morgan, we are now into the first aired episode of season two. Uh, because technically the two-parter we just watched is supposed to be episode one and two, but they were aired in December. Uh, So now we're in that weird spot again where Baywatch's running order doesn't
1: make any sense again. Um, So this is going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. I got to say, opening the season with this episode would have been... A choice. I mean, not that honestly, the like production order first episode was all that much better. Um. No, no. <laughs> but
0: I do think uh, the probably the two parter was a little bit easier in terms of leading us into some of the characters. Sure. Especially if you uh, all of a sudden just like introduce I mean, they actually don't fucking introduce Harvey at all no, <laughs> no in the first part but nope. the part where where Mitch comes up and they're like i'm gonna make you I'm gonna make your captain mitch uh that that's a good start to to a to a season I think
1: yeah totally it feels like hey, especially for a second season they're like listen we've gotten a better handle on our characters and kind of what the vibe of everything is going to be. Well, in theory (laughs) on a good show. Um, And so, you know, you do something like, oh, we're going to like switch up the main characters role, give him a little bit more responsibility is like, yeah, totally. That's a great way to start a season. Um, Baywatch doesn't do that, but you know, it could work. It could.
0: But I mean, I think uh, maybe Gregory J. Bonin wasn't, uh, wasn't writing his best work. There, but this episode is we're gonna go. We're gonna call it season two, episode three, and this is the one that got away. And it was written by Ronnie Kern, directed by Gus Trikanis, aired September thirtieth, nineteen ninety one. So Ronnie Kern has not really done a lot. Uh, He's written some things. uh, There are like really small bits. He he wrote uh, quite a few. Um Tom Selleck action movies. Uh, Ooh. But more recent ones about the book character Jesse Stone, which Tom Selleck plays. Uh, so he wrote those. Those are like his most recent <laughs> stuff. Uh, and Baywatch so in this episode we have uh a main character, Megan. She is played by Vanessa Angel who is uh, most famous for a few things. So first, she stars in the movie Kingpin from 1996 about Woody Harrelson managing an Amish bowling prodigy played by Randy Quaid. Um, What? Yes.
1: That is a wild tagline for a movie there. I kind of want to see that now. I kind of do, too. It's apparently a wacky comedy.
0: Um, And she comes in and she's... I I don't know. I mean... I cannot be asked to research this any further. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it's apparently people like it. Uh, she also starred in the 1994 to 1998 TV adaptation of the 1985 film Weird Science. Have you ever seen Weird Science?
1: I have not. I'm familiar with it, but I've never
0: actually seen it. I like Weird Science. I think it's it's fun. Um so in in the t v show Vanessa takes the role that Kelly Lebrock had of the of Hot Woman some Geeks created with a computer. Um, okay, I thought that
1: was the one yep. yes,
0: yep, yes. Yep, 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 um, and the big change to the show that was not in the movie is that her version of the character Lisa, is addicted to chunky monkey ice cream, pure genius, uh um, oh oh boy, yeah, and an odd wrestling crossover. One of the producers (laughs) of the show, Weird Science, is one of the most hated men in wrestling history, Ed Ferrara, who produced wrestling. And this means nothing to no one, and I will not explain this any further. Um, Sounds good to me. Lastly, she also had a starring role in maybe the worst movie of all time, Super Babies: Baby Geniuses 2. Um,
1: Can't say I've ever
0: heard of this. It is... At least it used to be in the bottom three or the top three, I guess, of INDB's worst films of all time. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. So throughout this episode, she is trying for an American accent. Uh, Morgan informed me earlier through some interviews that she does sort of have an American accent, but it just kind of drops randomly. Uh, Yeah. It's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I spent the entire episode, like, thinking she was French, and there is another French character in this episode who we'll talk about in a minute who is actually played by a French woman. But, yeah, her, her accent, it's, like, mostly American most of the episode, and then there'll just be words here and there that have, like, such stereotypical Brit trying to do an American accent kind of pronunciation. yeah. Think like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange or something where he makes sure to hit all of his R's. Yes. Um, or she'll do things like
0: there'll be a random word in the sentence that uh, she'll say things like we need to make him stop. And you're yeah. like, why, why did you why did you say it like that? Um, it's it's very apparent. It's not going to be. You know, hard to hear for anybody who's watching this episode. Yeah. Next up is our villain in this episode, who's played by Rick Dean, who passed away in 2006. He's a huge guy. Um, his claim to fame—by uh, huge, I mean physically huge, not huge in terms of his acting career. Because <laughs> his claim to fame that he was in a ton of straight-to-video Roger Corman movies. Like, Ooh. like. Nom angels, the unborn, and Carnosaur. Uh, oh boy, he was in a bunch of these. Um, that's his main thing. So the most famous actor of this episode might be, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't do French, was Lydie Denier. Denier, I don't, I don't, I don't do not don't French, uh, <laughs> she plays the French stewardess. So six days after this episode, she would go on to star in the French-Canadian-Mexican syndicated TV adaptation of Tarzan as Jane. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was quite a few seasons of it. And I was like, wow, this looks like something I probably saw. And then I realized, no, because it's french canadian Dash Mexican, not French Canadian, French (laughs) dash Canadian. Uh, She would also star on this show, uh, which just I'm going to warn you, this is almost so typecast as the next show that Morgan and Michael watch after Baywatch that it's almost unfair.
1: She would star on a syndicated
0: 1993 show called Acapulco Heat. Heat stands for Hemisphere Emergency Action Team. Uh, oh, boy. It's about a group of secret agents based in Puerto Vallarta. They team together to fight ter- terrorism, but to stay on the down low, they pose as models and photographers representing a beach fashion business. Um, <laughs> There are huh. only 48 episodes of this show. I want to watch it. Fabio was in this fucking show. Oh, shit. Crazy. Now... She was on the second season of the show, which is 1998 to 1999. Now, remember, the show started in 93 and there was only 48 episodes. So they waited a few years between seasons. Uh, no kidding. Morgan, I would like you to right now, please Google image search. Acapulco heat.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I was already in the process of doing that. The uh, The title card's a real direct ripoff of Baywatch, huh? Oh, yeah. And I love <laughs> the
0: images. It's just a bunch of. It looks, it looks very Baywatchy. It's clearly ripped off of Baywatch.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, wow, no kidding. The last thing I'd like you
0: to do before we start this episode is just mm-hmm. for the sake of all of us here, there are some characters, important ones in this episode, who have no name. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've given them names. Uh, oh, okay. So for, uh, for our French stewardess, I am calling her Francine uh, because the word France is in there. Uh, (laughs) So we're calling her Francine Uh, Now, do you have Google Images still open, sir?
1: I I do Also, I just wanted to mention that I have her down in my notes as French Stewart Ah, that's also good We could interchange We could use them interchangeably (laughs) Uh, For our villain,
0: uh, who also doesn't have a name uh, Please Google image search Terry Funk Okay um, because he looks exactly like pro wrestler Terry Funk. So I call him Terry Funk throughout my notes. Oh, yeah, I totally see that. Yep. Especially when they do the ch- the pencil outline of him later. I was like, that's just a pencil outline of Terry Funk. So I call him Terry Funk. So uh, that's what All we're right. calling him. So with that in mind, Morgan, take us into the episode. Yeah,
1: we uh, we open on Mr. Terry Funk here. Uh, watching Megan take some samples from the tide pools on the rocks and then he sees her and pulls out a knife and starts heading towards her. Um, but she completely oblivious does not see him and just happens to be done packing up samples just at that time and makes it back to her car just as he gets near her. And he looks on and looks menacing. Um, and he's wearing just a wild hat. yes. And mirrored sunglasses, which will be important later. He is wild. Like, I do think he looks like Terry
0: Funk, but he also looks like famous baseball pitcher Randy Johnson. Uh, He just has the the most 90s look, which is the long, curly-haired mullet with these, like, sunglasses and a hat. Uh, And he just looks—he looks very, very lanky. You also would assume he's, like, a professional bowler, maybe.
1: Uh, Oh, totally. So— He's just—he stands out. He really does. I also—I gotta say—I actually think that he plays a pretty good villain in this. Like his character is not realistic at mm. all. But like, if this guy were on a soap opera or like in a cheesy comic book show, I'd be like, yeah, totally, this makes sense. Uh, I don't fully agree, uh,
0: <laughs> that, uh, but we'll get into that later.
1: All right. All right. Uh, next up we get to meet our next villain of this episode <laughs> uh, Which is Harvey Being a fucking pervert for this entire episode And I hate him yeah. so much And he almost made me just completely give up on this episode um, oh, Sorry, one, one, one thing to interject
0: here We mm-hmm. are uh, doing this episode a few weeks Maybe a week or two after the case of, I think it was a British woman who was, you know, attacked by a police and murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know there's another Baywatch podcast who chose to skip this episode in light of that. Uh, yeah. We have decided not to. And I think part of the reason is, one, uh, it one it's, it's not the, the same situation. But yeah. two... Uh, it's also to talk about this, and also because I think, actually, this uh, personal opinion. I think this episode of Baywatch actually does a good job empowering her uh, and uh, talking about it in kind of a woke way. Um, I don't know if I agree, but okay. we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We always do. So, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Point is, we're doing it anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> yes, Harvey also fucking sucks, and he specifically. Yeah international stewardesses they they come in to the beach and he knows a line or two in different languages and he mm-hmm.
1: calls them in whatever language you know they yep yeah we get like what a three minute monologue montage scene of him just like narrating about how hot all the women are as the camera very uh helpfully Pans up and down a whole bunch of Very scantily clad women It's,
0: it's, it's just so weird because it's also ugh. He's monologuing to Shani And Eddie on the phone Yes, yes, And Shani Clearly hates this and Eddie is just oh. Like
1: ah oh, bro bro You're not doing good enough bro Kind of Yeah Eddie's objection to this is not that Harvey is a fucking pervert And uh, awful His objection is that Harvey is not Good enough at it
0: Yeah Johnny's objection is that he's a fucking pervert, as are multiple
1: women in this episode. Um, yes, but we'll get yeah. into that more. My only other two notes for this scene are this goes on forever, and I hate this episode. Mm. um we are what six minutes into the episode at this point, I would say if that, and boy, does it start off bad? um <laughs>
0: yeah, the only episode I could think of that I had this much like hate for was the episode with fucking Fred uh yeah. But I mean, also part one of this season uh, two uh, had some moments. I was like, I fucking hate this. Uh, Yeah. Oh, and oh, sorry. I also forgot to mention the episode where where Hobie has a crush on Shawnee. I can't believe I. Yeah. But but it starts out really quick here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't even get much time to enjoy the good parts of Baywatch before they're like, hey, remember how we're all a bunch of perverts and old men? And it's like, well, I had managed to forget, but you've sure reminded me. Yeah, we're going to get to more
0: about this. And I have some thoughts on how all this is done. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like this, but I have thoughts on it. Maybe we'll see what you have to say about it later.
1: Totally. Um, yeah, so our next scene is a real brief one. Uh, there's two buff dudes fighting on the beach. Mm. Shawnee and Eddie intervene to break it up. And then Shawnee gets clocked during it. And she is just done. Like, she has no desire to be a lifeguard anymore. She's like, I'm completely burnt out. And yeah, that's that's basically the whole scene. Yep. Um... Then we go back to the headquarters where Garner is teaching a self-defense class for all of the uh, lifeguards after the, feat, after the fight down on the beach. Um, because apparently this has been happening more and more frequently. And Harvey is using this self-defense class as an opportunity to hit on all the female lifeguards because he's a scumbag. Yep. Um, and then we get a little bit of interplay between Eddie and Shawnee, where- Nope,
0: nope we, we can't. We, we, you're skipping some important stuff here. Uh, oh. The important stuff you're skipping here is that, so Harvey hits on a woman. The woman mm-hmm. beats, beats up Harvey uh, and then yes. says, I know you're, like, like I know you're, not I know your reputation, but she says something like, you're a pervert. Yeah. And she tells him, all the women here think that too. Basically mm-hmm. telling him that, She's stronger than him. He's a pipsqueak. And that all the women are tired of his shit. And then what happens is Harvey tells Eddie, oh, well, look, this isn't easy you know, for me. It's easy for you. You're the brooding James Dean type. And yeah. then he says a line that just pisses off Eddie, which is mm-hmm. women naturally want to pull you to their breasts and nurture you. And Eddie stares at <sighs> Like, I haven't seen the character of Eddie look so upset. At anyone. Yeah. He just stares at him, and says nothing, gives him like this like, I am done with you stare for maybe like five seconds and then walks away. Uh yeah. clearly uh, it, this plays displays into what I'm gonna talk about more later, but I think Yeah, there's another scene that uh under that undermines this. But yes. uh <laughs> but we're getting right here is that people are also think the same way about Harvey that we do, which is Good, I think. That's yeah. That. So
1: the problem I have with this is that the show, the show wants to have it both ways. Yes, because the show wants to have all the characters tell Harvey how disgusting he is for doing this. And also these long objectifying montages where they just go full male gaze Mm -hmm. and just do long shots of women's butts. Mm -hmm. Like you can't have it both ways. And at least to me personally, I think the cinematography tells a much more uh, telling kind of story about (laughs) what the people in charge of the show feel about this rather than the dialogue. Uh, Not just about this, but what they feel about women. Yes, yes. Uh,
0: which which we, we, everybody know. this is Baywatch. Like, there's no shock to anybody who's going to be listening to this, you know, rec- yeah. this episode, to our episode here, thinking, I wonder if Baywatch doesn't objectify women. No, it fucking does. <laughs> That's the one thing everyone oh, knows yeah. about Baywatch, to the point where even people who are just like, not who who don't care about women being objectified know that it's the show that objectifies women and they see it as a positive. Like everybody knows this show objectifies women.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Totally. Uh but uh, Eddie and Shawnee.
1: Yeah, Eddie and Shawnee, uh, they're they're doing a little sparring. Uh and first of all, Eddie's got Shawnee in a chokehold and they're kinda talking a little bit, and maybe it's just me, but Shawnee seems kind of into it
0: yeah oh oh it's the part where she makes that jo- Oh, she makes like a joke while she's into it mm-hmm. and i'm like Ooh, oh well that's a yeah. hank
1: oh yeah and then she like flips Eddie and kind of lands on top of him. And then Eddie looks very into it. And I was like, oh, they like they get down. OK, maybe they learned that from uh, from Craig and Gina back when they were swinging with them. Ooh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's more of a Gina thing and not a Craig thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if they're playing with both of them, I'm sure they picked up some things from Gina. Craig, Craig's kink is absolutely like, let me
0: be undercover secret agent. Oh, totally. He's like, I want to be James Bond and I want you to, to shake, but not stir me. (laughs) And and Gina is like, let me draw a picture of you. And he's like, no abstract art, please.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm, I... I really, if I were a better writer, I would write some fan fiction about Craig and Gina's James Bond adventure because that sounds delightful. Last episode, we talked about how we we're gonna make a song. Uh, mm-hmm. We could,
0: we could also team up to write some fan fiction. You know, true. I feel like we could make a really good fanfic. Make some, uh, some Bond Watch fanfic. Ooh, well, e- yes, and uh, we could, we could compile them into a book, and then say this is the official Baywatch Rookie School book. (laughs) (laughs) Fond Watch. Bound Bond Baywatch. Ooh, even better. (laughs) I kind of ooh and ewed at the same
1: time. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the correct reaction, I think. (laughs) Um, Next up, we get another shot with Eddie and Shawnee, Uh, Where the two of them are walking on the beach talking about how burnt out Shawnee is. Um, And Eddie says, do you want to build a castle? (laughs) Want to make it out of sand? (laughs) Uh, And starts building a a sandcastle to cheer Shawnee up. Um, And then she sits on it and says, I felt like crushing a sandcastle. And I'm pretty sure that's also one of their kinks. It absolutely Um, is. Um,
0: And, you know, it's kind of a cute moment because then they they kind of laugh and and they start kissing. And I'm like, I guess, you know, this episode does one of those things I didn't expect, which is it makes them out to be a cuter couple
1: than I. Yeah. And they kind of have before. Yeah. There's much more chemistry between the two of them in this episode than we've ever really seen before. And I'm I'm into it. I think they make a good couple. Uh, I think they make a better couple with somebody who's not Eddie. But
0: you know, well, sure.
1: <laughs> you work with what you got. <laughs> yeah, by by Baywatch standards, they're a good couple. But you, I know, it's not cute. <laughs> uh, this next scene, Mega's out taking samples and sees the Funker fishing. <laughs> yeah, we go back to that storyline. I. This is, I think, a perfect. Place for me to talk about probably one of my biggest problems with this episode other than the fact that they are once again returning to sexual assault as a driving mm-hmm. plot device is how fucking whiplashy it gets between eddie and Shawnee being this cute loving couple and then sexual assault Th- um, there's a few just, moments like that in this episode yeah the one the one near the end where the shawnee and eddie are on the boat especially oh yeah it was just like what the fuck is going on here like (laughs) i had that one written down especially as well it's they i who edited this yeah are you just like i know we've given them shit for having unrelated a and b plots before but if you're gonna do sexual assault as your a plot Maybe either don't have a B plot or pick an unrelated B plot or or, or I don't or just don't like just don't. You don't need to. <laughs> well, Morgan, I am
0: going to unfortunately inform you that the people you were trying to appeal to live 30 years in the past. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they may not hear that's you. true.
1: OK, but what if what if we put this episode in a time capsule and send it back to them? I mean, I'm sure that's how that
0: works. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the closer. Actually, you know what we should do is we 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 send it to uh, you know to CERN. Well, maybe to CERN. Yeah, fuck it. We'll send it yeah. to CERN, and they will figure out something where they can they can shoot it out faster. And you know, when you shoot something out. Uh, at a speed, shoot something out. Okay, now it's just a dick joke. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, when something goes towards the speed of light, time slows down around it because. True. You know, so what if we were then able to combine this with our previous theory? Of this being the Flash universe And we use that To go back in time like the Flash Does to stop his mom from getting killed But you and I go back And just tap an editor on the shoulder and go Now wait (laughs) Maybe you don't want to do this And he goes you know what
1: all I was waiting For was just one person to tell me no But they never did Yeah yeah I think if there's one thing we've learned From this podcast it's that You can really just apply the Speed force to anything (laughs) I mean, that's kind of how The Flash works. Yeah, exactly. And what is this podcast, if not CW's The Flash? Who did The Flash? I forget. The show, CW. Okay, cool. I've never seen it. It's actually, you know what? It's actually
0: good. The first two seasons are actually really fun. They're well done. Uh, They are everything you would want from a superhero TV show. It's detective work. Uh, you got superpowers. You got cool villains. You got some like stakes. Uh, you the acting is good. I didn't expect the acting to be that good. The acting's pretty darn good, uh, and they really get to show their range. And then I would say maybe like season three is good, and then season four I just was like I, I've just I've watched too much. Like I get, like I get it. Like I love the Flash, but like I I get it by now. Like I yeah. I've, I can't keep doing this over and over. Um, and that's just me. Um, you know, it's not to say it's it's necessarily bad. There's parts of it that are like, yeah, but it's it's still pretty darn good. Uh, but they were also getting to a point where it's like, well, he has heart disease. No, it's speed heart disease. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, OK, not everything is just speed. It's like, it's speed fried chicken. Nope, nope, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Because there is, like, speed police who are, like, dead oh, souls Jesus. that, like, they're they're dead reaper souls that, like, find you and chase you throughout all of time and universes. And then there's interdimensional speed police. <laughs> and then it's just, like, my guys, like, I know you're basing off of the comic, but some things are better off not taking directly from the source material. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's still fun. It's still fun. I'm still yeah. going to recommend it. It's the best of those like the Arrowverse esque shows mm-hmm. for sure. It's better than the rest of them. Um,
1: but all of this is just to distract from talking about this scene. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of this episode that, as I was watching it, taking notes, I was like, I just don't want to talk about this. I can do it if um, you want to. Oh no, I mean I I don't mind. Okay. Um, but yeah, so now we get uh, we get some more of Megan and the fisherman, and he's he's out on some dangerous rocks, and Megan's like, Hey, get down from there! And then he does an incredibly fake fall, uh, and Megan goes to rescue him.
0: Yeah, I was he, I was really. Uh, uh, Upset with that part because Terry mm-hmm. Funk I know would fall way better than that. <laughs> I've seen his matches. That's that's not that's not a plus Terry Funk
1: work. Yeah, there's <laughs> not a single folding table anywhere nearby that anyone gets thrown through. You,
0: Come y- on, you, you you joke, but Terry Funk. Okay, so God, we're doing so <laughs> many asides here. The thing about Terry Funk is Terry Funk is about eighty right now, and he retired okay. maybe. At seventy five. Like the joke oh, is that he'll wow. never retire. Uh mm-hmm. because he's just a fucking crazy dude. Like he's the most Texan man you can think of. Who's also like mm. kind of like a, a leftist uh Texan, which is cool. But he's the kind yeah. of guy who is like the original I'm gonna do crazy hardcore shit like I want to be in a match that has actual piranhas and I want to fall into this vat of piranhas and see if they can eat me uh, and they're like Terry are, okay. you, are you sure you want to do that and he's like you're right there's not enough barbed wire in this uh, <laughs> or or things where it's like Terry um, I know you're like 65 do you want to do a backflip off of that 15 foot tall ladder and he's like make it 20 feet and we'll call it good Okay, Terry, Damn. like, Terry Funk is a crazy son of a bitch. Um. Uh, huh. And so, like, the thing you have to understand here is that normally I would reserve the name Terry Funk as a compliment to a character. <laughs> I do not like this fisherman guy, nor do I personally like the actor. But Morgan, and I can disagree on that. We'll talk more yeah. about that later. But he... Uh, This 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 scene is just again, we're trying to avoid it so hard. This scene is so disturbing. Um, Yeah. And the 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 episode descriptions we got from INDB implied rape. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's necessarily what was implied here. However, it is still insane amounts of assault and Mm -hmm. violence and threat. And maybe some implications of that. Uh, how, yeah. But in saying that, I thought this episode was going to be very different from what it was. That doesn't yes. mean it's better.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's weird. They, they never dil- directly, like, reference this as being sexual violence, but they definitely give off a lot of those vibes. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so the the rest of this scene is basically after he falls, uh, Megan goes to try and rescue him. And this was a trap. He was waiting to, uh, you know, ambush her and basically knocks her to the ground and holds a knife to her throat um, and tells her how much he's going to kill her. And he can't believe she got away once already. And then she punches him in the dick while he monologues and she runs away into the water.
0: Uh, um, I'm going to make a controversial question here. Okay, And we can cut this if it's too controversial. Ooh. Um, so first off, I want to say my opinion on this guy is that I think he acts far too hard to the point that it loops back to being scary. Uh, yeah. Uh, because he is doing things where it's like I'm gonna get you, and it's like <laughs> okay, my dear, but then he keeps doing that, and you're like, oh, this is this is scary. But the, yeah, the problem of why that is scary is that in my mind i see this as this whole bunch of like 90s dialogue in my head of parents and and guardian figures and teachers telling us to be afraid of people of mental illness and mm. that's when i look at this and i i get that same terror that they tried to to imbue in me or on me of totally of like he is terrifying in his in quotes, craziness because you can tell he's mentally ill, besides just the fact that he has a knife. Like the knife part is crazy, uh, not crazy, is scary as it is, but it's his dialogue. So I don't know yeah. if it's intended to be he's just so over the top corny, or it's that you're trying to play it up as he's so mentally ill that it's now scary because we're afraid of mentally ill people.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's honestly not one I had considered in my initial watching of this. Like, yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Like, you know, it certainly plays into, I think, a lot of the stereotypes that were so prevalent in like 80s and 90s media. And, you know, even today, to some extent of the, you know quote unquote crazy serial killer who's just like mentally ill and just out for blood or whatever. Right. And I, I definitely think there's a lot of like validity to to that reading. It's it's not how I read it, but I I do definitely see that and I don't I don't disagree by any means. I I read him more as just like a comic book villain basically. Mm. Um Where he's just so over the top and not like anyone actually acts, that I was just like, sure, why not? Like, he doesn't fit into this show. But he's, you know, he's playing, a, he's in a completely different TV show from everyone else. And I kind of respect that once in a while. I would know? I would agree he does seem like he's in a completely different TV show. I
0: feel like the, I, I saw that at first and kind of thought of it as like cartoony. But the more I thought about that, the more it felt like humanizing this like, yeah, killer. And I don't know. I mean, that's what we do for the Joker, which I mean, I have huge problems <laughs> the character yes. of the Joker. Um, as much as I like the. I'll correct that as much as I like parts of the Joker. <laughs> Uh, especially not the like, ah, I'm so serious. Oh, I'm Jared Leto. Look at my grills, uh, Joker. God, which I'm just like fuck off, dudes. Like I get it, it's supposed to be a comic book, but also just remember the Joker sucks. Uh, yeah. Um, like, I I don't necessarily like that, and so that's why. I guess I took it as like, oh, he's just trying to be scary because he's like mentally ill. Now, granted, I think the guy who plays him probably has experience from being in some direct to video Roger Corman films uh, that he can play over the top villains. And that's just his acting style. And I'm like, in that case, sure, that's probably just the
1: way he acts. And that makes sense. Yeah. When you told me that he had been in a bunch of Roger Corman movies, suddenly everything made sense. Right. Like, this is the most, like, Roger Corman ass Roger Corman performance ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, that's one of my feelings of I'm like, I don't.
0: I have mixed opinions and it kind of also totally makes my my episode reading up in the air because I, mm-hmm. you know, I I find it hard to think about if I like respect it or I don't respect it, if I hate it or I, I, I like it. I don't I don't know yet.
1: Yeah, I think also, honestly, for me, at a purely superficial level, so many of these episodes, none of the actors are making any choices at all. And it's often very boring and flat So when there's anyone making any sort of big choice, I'm just like, yeah, cool. It's something different. Like, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I'll accept that. Um, But yeah, let's uh, let's finish talking about this scene because it's almost over, thankfully. Yes. Um, Yeah. Basically, she she gets away and swims out into the water and he waits by her car for a while. Um, And then eventually Mitch shows up in a lifeguard truck and he, like, sees the oncoming truck and kind of walks away. And then once he's gone, Megan comes out of the water and basically tells Mitch, like, ah, it was nothing, nothing happened, don't worry about it. Because um, she doesn't want to tell him what happened for reasons that we'll learn later. Yes. And that actually felt pretty realistic to yes. me from everything I've heard about, like, you know, being a survivor of of assault in a... Manner like that. Oh, absolutely.
0: And I mean, and again, they go into it more later, and I do think it's well
1: done. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But I, I think that conversation that we're both talking about was actually really good. Yes. Um. But yeah. So now, uh, now after that weird, scary (laughs) sexual assault the implied uh, scene, we get, like you said, just the biggest whiplash because uh, now it's time for a montage of Shawnee and Eddie looking confused in a crowd of hot people while they yell at everyone that they're breaking the rules. Do you get a song here? I do. It was generic, random soft rock bullshit. Oh, well, I get a song
0: too. this is an original song it's called better shape up and it's by larry antonino uh i get this song kind of a b minus uh it's not the worst song i've heard on this show it's not great here are some lyrics now there you go again doing me wrong trying to impress your friends we'll just move along You know you're driving me crazy with all this fooling around. You say it's all just plain, but now it's all coming down. You better shape up. No more messing around. Uh, You know you better shape up well here we are again i'm chasing you down you don't want to play by the rules mind you these lyrics are very creepy given Ooh, things we just saw, yeah I'll boy ch- i'm chasing you down you don't want to play by the rules you don't know how you know you're driving me crazy with all this fooling around you say it's all just playing but now it's all coming down you better shape up no more messing around you know you better shape up it's time to turn this around and they repeat over and over
1: yeah it's not great yeah no, really, really, uh, on the nose lyrics there, and not in a good way, yep, I think they don't nes necess- we'll have to
0: ask somebody someday who wrote for this sh- a song for this show, but I don't think they tell them what
1: happened in the rest of the episode, yeah. I'd be curious to know, like, how much information they got going into it and how much direction they got on the song. Yeah, I imagine a lot of them probably, like, I don't imagine from our last episode,
0: the now 20-year-old who was 17 when he wrote it watched the rest of a two-parter Baywatch series opener yeah. before writing his song and was like, let me write about the true feelings I see in this scene. <laughs> you know? I do- I doubt Larry Antonino was like, oh, man, I'm really invested in that Shawnee-Eddie relationship. Let me write a song that pours out my feelings. You better yeah. shape up. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so.
1: Um, but yeah, this this montage goes on forever. And once it's done, uh, we get another wonderful scene mm. um, where Harvey just keeps being a pervert. Um, yes. He's watching uh, French Stewart run down the beach and... And uh, commenting on how attractive she is as we get more panning shots of her running. Great. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he decides that the right thing to do here uh, is to interrupt her run by standing in front of her and then asking if she wants to go out for a burger to which she says, I'm a vegetarian and runs off, which I actually thought was very funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do, and then he goes, though, yeah, okay. I like salads too. Yeah. And just kind of walks off. I did
0: actually kind of <laughs> smirk at, you know, I like salads too. But then I took that smirk away very quickly because I'm like, it's fucking Harvey. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then uh, this isn't over yet um, because it's time for our fisherman friend to see French Stewart uh, and assault her because he thinks that she's Megan. But then he, like, attacks her from behind and pushes her to the sand and then, like, flips her over and notices that she's not Megan. And then he doesn't care and lets her go, I guess. We don't actually see what happens. The problem here is that Terry Funk is wearing those sunglasses.
0: And, I mean, you can't see shit in those sunglasses. That's true. Now, the real Terry Funk would never do that. He has better (laughs) eyesight
1: than
0: that. That's that's a bad joke. Okay, maybe we should cut
1: (laughs) that one. Um, let's see. After that, uh, we get a scene of Mitch and Eddie working out. Oh, oh, you oh yeah. About? So
0: this is another whiplash moment. This is. Yes. They go from Harvey runs up to her because he sees her running back towards
1: him. That's that's actually after Mitch and Eddie work out. Oh, that's even worse. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> the pacing on this episode and the like the like, um, I forget what the technical term for it is, but the order in which they lay out these scenes is so fucking wild. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we get a brief scene here where basically Mitch and Eddie are working out and they briefly discuss uh, that Megan's been a little off recently. And then Eddie and Shawnee should take a busman's holiday, which had you ever heard that term before? Nope. Yet me either. And I even after watching this, don't fully understand what it means. Mitch says that it means it's when you go rent a hotel somewhere and spend a bunch of time together. And I was like, why is that a busman's holiday? Well, Eddie also doesn't know because he goes, what's a busman's holiday? Yeah.
0: And I'm like, OK, so it's not just us. It's also this TV show itself literally doesn't get it. Yes. OK, yes.
1: Um, but yeah, now we get the resolution of, uh, French steward and, uh... Francine. The Fisherman. uh, Francine Um, and Terry Funk. Francine
0: and Terry Funk. Also, after I picked these names, I realized that both Francine, the pro wrestler, and Terry Funk, the pro wrestler, were at the same time in Extreme Championship Wrestling in the late 90s. And I was very proud of myself uh, (laughs) for this. uh, Unintentional wrestling crossover. Um, But yeah, she's... uh, running away she's running back towards harvey and harvey's like oh i'm gonna drop the whole hitting on you act to now Mm -hmm. run up to you and be like it's okay it's okay i'm gonna like hug you and you're gonna start crying in my arms and i'm like i don't think he's the guy she would necessarily want to go to but like yeah only one there and maybe they could have played into that a little bit more but it's baywatch
1: I am so glad that he did not take this opportunity to hit on her, because when I saw her running back towards him after her incident with the fisherman, I was so worried that they were going to, like, have Harvey make one last, like, hitting on you kind of joke before he realized what had happened. And thank God they didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, like you said, he basically comforts her and then the two of them go back to headquarters uh, where Harvey is standing around waiting for her to be debriefed by some other lifeguards, by Shawnee, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Eddie walks around the corner drinking a Diet Coke and then hands it to Harvey yeah. after taking an enormous I was, of it. I, I was unsure <laughs> at first if my eyes are deceiving me that Eddie was also drinking it. Uh, but yeah, I am glad I'm not the only one here. I... I rewound this like two or three times just to make sure because it seemed so wild to me. It does. I mean, it's not just coronavirus wild. That's any yeah. wild. Yes. Yeah. That's a very like intimate thing. I don't know. It's not that intimate I, as much as it is uh,
0: weird. I don't know. It's well, intimate like, if you're dating each other. <laughs>
1: Right, so that's what I'm saying, is, like, the only time where I would feel comfortable, like, drinking half of a soda from the can and then giving the can to someone is if I was dating them. Like, that's why it feels, like, intimate to me. Not not in a, like, sexy, intimate way, but just in a, like, I'm very comfortable with this person.
0: Morgan, I just need to know, this scene where Eddie drank from
1: Diet Coke and gave it to Harvey <laughs> to drink next, I was very turned on by it. Oh, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I was also turned on by it, but... <laughs> Turned on to Coke, anyways. yes' Worst joke I
0: made on this podcast, probably not. Anyways, uh, yeah, Mitch, it's a tough competition. Yeah, um, I, I make the. I, I'm very unfunny. Anyways, Mitty wants to know if she if if. Francine would give a statement to the police. So Shawnee mm-hmm. comes out and says she wants to talk to Harvey first which is so yeah. wor- worried me so much I was like oh my god. Yes. Why? Yes. What are you going to do here? And then I it's kind of uh, at first I was okay with this scene. At first. Yeah. Because at first Francine yeah. tells Harvey that he's a creep all the stewardesses mm-hmm. think he's a creep. Here is mm-hmm. why. And then she makes this bold claim uh, that stewardesses and psychologists require the same skills now yes i have decided to do some extracurricular research here i (laughs) asked my friend who is a pilot and i said hey uh here is a job description i found on indeed uh for a psychologist here's a job description (laughs) i found for a steward uh can you tell me if these seem accurate based on what you know about steward's I also Mm -hmm. then asked my psychologist if this job description seemed accurate based on (laughs) her experience as a psychologist. Uh, And then I compared their two answers, which they said, yes, those those do seem accurate. Uh, And then I showed both of them the opposite job description and asked if those require the same skills. And they both said, ha ha, no. So I think Francine here is full of shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the amount of effort you put in to this (laughs)
0: is requires me like no effort to to go on
1: Indeed and do this if I know I'm going to get a good joke out of this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's more work than I've put into this podcast, I think ever. So (laughs) Mm, I don't know
0: about that. But anyways, yeah, she makes a bold claim because she is like analyzing that. Harvey mm-hmm. cannot be himself because he's afraid of getting rejected.
1: He's like, "What? Yep. me afraid of rejection or
0: Harvey? Yeah, uh,
1: it's fuck off. And then then this scene takes a turn for the fuck off Baywatch. I hate you. Yes, um, because he says, hey, let me give you a ride back to your apartment. Or she asks if he can give her a ride back to her apartment, something like that. Um, yes. And he says, sure, I'll take you back to your apartment Uh, on two conditions one next time you're in town we're going out for dinner and two he doesn't say you have to give a statement to the police he doesn't say it like that but it's worse than that because oh yeah because on
0: the condition she promises to see him on her next layover which doesn't even mean dinner it just means i want to like you to have to like see me when she says Yes she liked that yeah. But then he says yeah you have to go to police Which is what she didn't want to do in the first place so It's like mm-hmm. like What and then she Makes a condition Which yeah. she says okay but after I Then go to the police the thing I didn't want To do in the first place You gotta make me laugh And I'm like what is yeah. this shit deal oh, Like who, who, who makes this uh, clearly, clearly It was so bad Clearly you don't work in finance yeah. because this is, this is a shit deal.
1: Um, yeah, I don't get this. In the pantheon of moments that were clearly written by male writers, this might take the top spot.
0: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. It's so, it's so bad. Counterpoint is Shawnee telling Hobie that, oh, I really appreciate it that there, there's a man oh. like you who loves me. Uh, Yeah He's like I wanna bang This woman who's like Nine years older than me And I am 13 That's the top one Uh, This is like Second runner
1: up Yeah that's true I forgot about that plot line I never Baywatch why do you do this to us?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know There's an easy solution here It's to stop watching But we cannot Because as we have stated We're gonna watch all of Baywatch And you're gonna join us on this journey whether it kills us or it
1: doesn't kill us, those are the two options. <laughs> <laughs> David Hasselhoff put a curse on us, and now we have to finish this podcast. Ooh, that actually <laughs> sounds kind of fun. I want to I know what the David Hasselhoff curse is. Yeah. Ooh, man, that would be a great title for a fan fiction, the oh, David Hasselhoff curse. We, we should call it The Curse of David Hasselhoff.
0: And it's also a, good. It's a... Ooh, we could write this for Halloween. Ooh. And then, yeah. Ooh, okay. So the (laughs) ideas are coming, are coming, but you know what else? This episode, we got to keep going. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Uh, So next up, we get a scene where Shawnee and Eddie are talking about how burnt out Shawnee is. Um and she's like, my parents are going to be out of town this weekend, so I'm house sitting for them. But you can't come over because they specifically said that you're not allowed <laughs> over. And Eddie's like, why are you doing this to me, Shawnee, a thing that you have chosen to do? And this is your fault. And so Shawnee has to comfort Eddie about all of this. And I was like, I hate this so much. Um, yeah, it sucks. But then he see he sees a for sale ad for a boat. And ponders it for a moment and that will come back in our biggest whiplash yet, Mm. Um, (laughs) which is impressive considering how much of that we get. After that, we get a sequence where Megan is in the lab late one night uh, when she has a flashback to being assaulted. Uh, by the fisherman and she's holding a vial and it shatters in her hands and then she looks around and sees a whole unscaled fish in a pan just sitting there on the stove um and hears a noise and some yelling and starts kind of like looking around it's very like tense horror movie kind of thing um and she grabs a like fireplace poker off the wall. We, are, and- we,
0: we already hit the part right where she grabs she crushes the beaker in her hand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no glass that. stuck in it at all. Yes. It's just like, yep, I just got some, some normal blood and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not continuing to bleed and she's like, I can probably grip this pole arm without any, you know, problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems that yeah. seems safe and fair.
1: Yeah. I honestly, that part didn't even register with me when I was watching the episode because I was like, just so over it by this
0: point. I like I like this scene, though. I like I honestly do because it's
1: it's very scary. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely tense in a way that we don't see often on Baywatch. Um But yeah, so she, after she grabs the fireplace poker, um, she like hears a noise and starts yelling to be like, hey, who's there? Looking around. And then like a lifeguard comes through and heads up the stairs and she almost hits him with the poker, but realizes it's a lifeguard at the last minute Um, and then kind of like relaxes for a minute. And then the fisherman grabs her and then she wakes up and it turns out it was all just a dream the entire time. Yeah. Which, yeah, I was like, okay, that actually makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's very like dark, this entire, it's shot very dark and the music is really tense and she does a really good job like acting in this scene, Mm -hmm. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But then, uh, then we get a scene after this where she goes to Mitch's place because she's still terrified and They hug for a while. Um, I had this written as there's a knock at Mitch's shirtless door. uh, (laughs)
0: Yes. Which is just what I'm going to call it for the rest of the series (laughs) now, because if he doesn't answer the door while shirtless, I'm going to assume nobody actually went to the door. Uh, Yeah. It's always going to be a shirtless shirtless Mitch. Yeah, it's true. Uh, But she he he deduces based on, you know, statements from earlier that The woman from earlier, Francine, was attacked by the same guy who Mm -hmm. attacked Megan. Uh, And then we get one of the better scenes in this episode.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think this was one of my, I mean, it feels weird to say favorite, but I do actually think it was one of my favorite episodes in this episode, which is that basically, like you said, you know, Mitch realizes what happened to her and the connection between her and the French stewardess. Um, And he's like, why didn't you tell anyone? And Megan's like, because our entire system is terrible when you report sexual assault. Like, it's incredibly invasive and we don't ever believe victims. So basically you just get told, like, you're lying, prove it. And it's one of those things where often you can't because there's not evidence necessarily. Right. Um and so she's like, yeah, I didn't want to do this because I've done this before and what happened was that I felt fucking terrible and nothing happened. Um which yeah I mean is right. a is a real problem and it sucks that it's still a real problem twenty years later and we've <laughs> <laughs> barely done anything. Thirty years. Yeah. Yeah, God. <laughs> I was like,
0: yeah, wow. Yeah, the 90s will always be 10 years ago to me, but it's actually 30 years ago. Um, No, this scene is, uh, by the way, also Mitch, Mitch, like, uh, apologizes and is like, I I didn't know that I'm really sorry. Uh, Yeah, yeah, this whole scene is super progressive for 1991, not just for television, for anyone's thoughts on women, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, which really threw me off. Like, that's the thing about this show it ogles the shit out of women and then will randomly just throw in this hey, you want to hear something that conservatives in 2021 still have problems grasping and Mm -hmm. Baywatch just summarizes in like three sentences cleanly cleanly, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, Yeah. that's what this show is. And you're just like, how? No one told me this about Baywatch. No one told me that there was going to be like mixtures of like all the shitty like male gaze and like empowering women like we talked about when we started this podcast how as the show went on more and more of the viewership was with women uh mm-hmm. because it does actually have shit like this where it empowers women to do totally. things like to he i can't imagine because i'm I'm a, I'm a guy but like i can't imagine uh like If you were watching this in 1991, to hear a mainstream TV show mention something like this, that's not, frankly, even, uh, I guess, the social norm to talk about in most places in 2021. To hear someone talk about that on TV is really, I I don't want to say cool, because it's a horrible situation. Sure. Is really
1: powerful. Totally. No, I completely agree. And it's what, like, it's what gives me so much whiplash throughout this entire episode, because we have this moment that feels very, like, empathetic and, like you said, progressive and well-written. And then we have the fucking scene with Harvey and the the French stewardess after she got attacked, where she's like, yes, I would like to randomly sleep with you the next time I'm in town. And, like, you know, I'm not by any means saying there's anything wrong with, like you know, hook up with hot people. I'm all for that. Um, But just like where that was so clearly written by a man and this, I don't know, not that it couldn't have been written by a man, but is is just surprising to see those two bits of dialogue, not just contrasted in the same episode, but contrasted in the course of three minutes, like. (laughs)
0: yeah I, it is weird it's it's weird that this writer also wrote that you're like suspicious like did your wife help you write this <laughs> i don't know It just it's weird it's weird that it comes out of the blue here it's good yeah. that it does uh but you know what what we don't have time for this scene anymore we need to get to the next
1: thing, which is what morgan oh boy it's our horniest scene yet Uh, because it is Eddie and Shawnee naked in bed on a boat, making out and cuddling and being cute. And once again, talk about whiplash where, um, but so they talk for a little bit and they're basically like, isn't this great? Aren't we glad we took some time off? And then Eddie reveals his, uh, how they ended up on the boat is he said that he needed to take the boat for a test drive to make sure he could uh, stand living in such close quarters, and Shawnee's like, Well, do you think you could live in such close quarters? And he's like, As long as I'm with you, and then they confess their love for each other and make out some more. Um, and it was actually very cute. It was, it was very cute. Ready for some more whiplash? Yeah, oh
0: boy. Now, Morgan, Morgan, mm-hmm? I have a question for you. Yes. And for this question, I'm going to need a minute to set up this joke. Uh, (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) If we had to rate the whiplash here on a scale from (laughs) the movie whiplash to -hmm. the Metallica song whiplash, where would you rate this? Which
1: side of that scale is is which?
0: Based on your own personal
1: preference, either side can be either side. All right. Now, in fairness, I have never heard the Metallica song Whiplash, to the best of my knowledge. Um, But I would say I would say this is pretty close to the movie Whiplash side of things, because uh, that movie was also really tense and hard to watch. But unlike this episode, it was good and I didn't hate it.
0: (laughs) That is the correct answer, uh, because Everything you just described is the same about the Metallica song Whiplash, except for the tension. Um, But it is really good. And I don't hate it. I'm like, maybe maybe I don't hate this episode. Maybe I do. I still don't fucking know yet. But yeah, uh, this next scene is truly what inspired the Terry Funk comparison, because they look at this. They look at this sketch. There's a sketch artist drawing Terry Funk. Uh, Mm hmm. Not, not the fisherman, the wrestler Terry Funk, and um, you know, it's it's just like classically like they're asking her probing questions and, mm-hmm. about it, and Mitch, Mitch says you don't have to be scared anymore, and she goes, "That's what we say to victims to make them feel better." <laughs> and he's like, "I know, but it's true," and it's like I mm. loved that exchange. It's
1: very I thought good. It was so
0: good. Very good. Uh, And then Garner says, based on the description, if he takes off his hat and glasses, it'll be hard to find. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's fair.
1: Uh, My only note for this scene is Garner is just being super unhelpful. Like, (laughs) I mean, he is. But I mean, he's not wrong. Sure. But you also could say that to like Mitch after Megan has left the room. Like you don't have to. Tell the assault victim that you're pretty confident you're not going to be able to find this guy, especially when the reason she didn't go to the police in the first place is because she knew the police would do nothing about it. Like, holy shit. That
0: is fair. (laughs) And I have no rebuttal to that other than <laughs> Megan says, it's time for me to do some fishing. I know exactly yes. what to use for bait. And I was like, what? What?
1: Yeah. <laughs> this
0: scene, it goes through like seven different moods. Oh, yeah. I kinda, I like yeah. it. I like it. It just goes through a lot of moods.
1: No, I, I kind of enjoyed it as well, especially her like. Ending the scene with an 80s movie Like action movie catchphrase I was like yeah fuck it Why not we've done everything else in this episode Why not give her an 80s movie Catchphrase like Right <laughs> um, But then after this uh, We get a montage of Eddie and Shawnee Spinning in circles In fancy dress on the beach While they hug for a long time Yeah so what, what music do you get here uh, again, it's just super generic. Like, I I honestly couldn't tell the difference between this song and the first song that played in this episode. Okay, well,
0: I have, again, an original song. Uh, this Ooh. one is called Everything I Need. And it is a sappy love song, again performed by Larry Antonino. However, Ooh. this one is written by Larry and... Ruben Voltiera. Do you know who Ruben Voltiera is? Not at all. He is the keyboardist for Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, that's... Wow. He has recorded okay. keyboard for about 70% huh. of Weird Al's albums. Uh, ever since 93, I think it is, he's been Weird Al's keyboardist. Uh, he's also been a touring musician with him. He is also a touring musician for... Tom Jones, Santana, Chick Korea, Elton John, Red Hat Chili Peppers, Deep Purple, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, very, Holy very shit. odd. Uh, now, this song, I give a B. Um, it's, okay. it's it's kind of nice. Uh, but here's here are the lyrics. All through the years, I hear your voice calling. All of the fears that lie in the dark keep falling. Into my dreams you will be. What does it mean to love? Life is much more to me somehow when you're everything I need. All of the tears will disappear this evening. I will be near if you should call to free me into your dreams. I will be sharing the meaning of love. Life is much more to me somehow when you're everything I need. So really, it's it's a it's a lot of nothing. Uh, But it's like,
1: you know, it's not 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 horrible. Uh, yeah. It's, by Baywatch original song standards, that's pretty good. It is. It is. But yeah, this montage is kind of nothing, and it goes on for a long time. It does. Um, and then then we get our final set piece, uh, which is that Megan, Garner, and Mitch are doing a sting operation to catch the fishermen, um, which consists of... Mitch and Garner standing a ways away with binoculars and walkie talkies while Megan luxuriates on the beach. Yeah. Um, and then Garner sees a guy go into the women's bathroom with a similar looking outfit as the fisherman, And it very clearly was not the same person, but it is enough of a distraction for Mitch and Garner to go after this guy. And as far as I can tell, it's not like this guy was even working with the fisherman. They just needed a plot reason for the two of them to be gone for a little bit. Yep. And so the fisherman shows up and uh, uses a garotte to grab Megan by the neck and drag her under the pier and keeps yelling at her. Tell me what it feels like. And she's like, what do you mean? And he goes, tell me what it feels like. And then finally reveals that he thinks of her as a fish and wants to know what it's like to be hooked on your last breath or something. And she tries to throw sand in his eyes, but he won't take off his mirror, sunglasses because he needs her to see herself the way he sees her. I have a theory about that. I have a theory about that. My theory here
0: is that Terry Funk here is telling her, I want you to see me. As as me and not as part of the tag team, the Funk Brothers of Terry Funk and Dory <laughs> Funk Jr. Um, and, you know, because he's like, I just want someone to see me as a singles wrestler. I think that's what he's saying, here, right? <laughs> that makes sense. I think so. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, what this we should is, read from this scene. This is goes th- this adds to both of our theories of you saying he's so cartoonishly over the top and mind yeah. that like he's trying to play up on mental illness and Like, I I, by this point, I still couldn't figure out. I was like. I I think I hate it. Like, I, I
1: I think I hate the acting here Um, because if I Mm -hmm. if I took the episode seriously, I would hate this so much. Sure. But I just kept being like, sure, fuck it. Why not? I guess this is the vibe we're going for this episode. And in the context of him just literally being a soap opera villain or a, or a comic book villain. I was like, yeah, okay, you know, like I said, like at least it's something. Like so many performances on this show are nothing that I was just excited to get anything. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's fair. Um, but,
0: like, I, you could tell. So back to the episode. She mm-hmm. she is trying to pull up some pocket sand. Yes, throwing his (laughs) eyes. But then she realizes shit, he has sunglasses on. So she can't throw any pocket sand.
1: Uh and that's Mm -hmm. very sad because I wanted that to happen. I was I was hoping so much. Partially just because pocket sand. Yes. And also partially because it would have given her something to do in the episode other than be used as bait. Um (laughs) Well, she does something else, but Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Um, But yeah, so he he monologues for exactly long enough for Mitch to find them. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then Mitch and him fight for a while and he's starting to get the upper hand over Mitch until Megan like basically comes back to her senses and takes the garrote off from around her neck and instead uh, garrotes him until he is almost dead and Mitch has to like pull her off of him. Uh, which I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, I think she's out of she's all pretty scenes, fucking pissed at this guy. Out of all scenes <laughs> featuring
0: a garrot, this is mm-hmm. the ziggurat of those. Oh, oh mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm, Morgan. <laughs>
1: that was good. That was good. I hate it. I hate myself. <laughs> um, You know what? You know what else I hate? What? Uh, The way this episode ends. Oh, because. Oh, yeah. Because after all of this, she's like laying in the sand, obviously very shocked because she was just attacked again and almost died and then almost killed this guy. And she's, you know, very understandably Mm -hmm. like on the ground, like panicking. And then Mitch is like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. And she immediately uh, just is super happy running out towards the beach. We get a very long slow-mo shot of her ass. (laughs) <laughs> and then she's happily splashing in the water. Freedom. And that's the end of the episode. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's supposed to be like trauma freedom, but I'm like, that's not how it works. Yeah. And just the like, again, the like the show trying to have its cake and eat it, too, where it's like the the bad man who was attempting to like kill her and sexually assault her is dead and she's free. And so now it's safe for us to objectify her again. And I was like, no. Like, (laughs) God damn it. Don't do that, please. Bad ending. (laughs) It's so bad. Um, And then my final note of this episode that I took as I watched her splash around happily in the water is uh, this fucking show is the worst. Um, (laughs) And that's that's where my notes end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Morgan, Mm -hmm. as you know, we Mm -hmm. have
0: updated our rating system for it's season true. two. Now, a one is ruining your food so bad that the smoke alarm goes off. And a 10 mm-hmm. is getting your boy toy, David Hasselhoff, to talk to you about Wuthering Heights. Now, uh, we have three people who are going to give ratings this episode. Mm-hmm. The first is IMDB user SandCrab277, uh, <laughs> who gives it a one, which is ruining your food so bad that smart smoke alarm goes off. Uh, mm-hmm. And for him, a one is please never make me watch another Baywatch episode with buxom women and stupid males trying to score. It's apparent that Erica Leniak is the hot bod and smart blonde of the show. When Pamela Anderson joins later, she can't compare and even enhances Erica's chances as the all-time Baywatch babe. So that's that's that's, uh, that's his opinion. Um, yeah, I I would like to give his opinion a one yes. for being stupid. I absolutely <laughs> agree. Um, Morgan, what do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, so I am going to give this episode a two. I think oh. this is one of my least favorite episodes of Baywatch we've ever watched. It made me actively angry, and I had to take breaks during it because I couldn't keep watching it. Um, and I am going to say that a two is the experience of um, trying to sell a boat and you find someone who says they're interested, finally, only for them to be lying to you and just spend the entire weekend fucking on your boat. And now you have to clean up after him. And also, he didn't buy your boat. Wow. Well, let me just tell
0: you, I, I mean, we're going to talk about this in a minute. You're going to like the mm-hmm. next episode a lot more. I'll tell you that. I cannot wait. Uh, what's uh, what's your rating, Michael? Well. I've been going back and forth through this. You know, at one point I was like, this is a 10 out of 10. This is the perfect episode, clearly. Um, (laughs) uh, No, I was trying to think, you know, do I do I like it in the spot of its problems or do its problems outweigh it? Uh, Because I, I did, you know, I watched it and I wasn't I didn't have any personal moments where I was like, I have to turn this off. But I was like, this isn't, you know, good. Uh, but, you know, there are parts of it I was like are really, really powerful and I'm like really impressed that they wrote them. However, uh, I'm going to go for, uh, I'm going to go for a four, uh, here. Yeah. I'm going to say, and I'm going to say, you know, actually, no, I'm going to call it a three. I'm going to say it's a three. Okay. And a three for me is... Um, the fact that when Terry Funk tried to join the WWF back in <laughs> the late 90s, early 2000s, they repackaged him as Chainsaw Charlie. Um, Ooh, that's a great name. He had a leather face mask on and had a chainsaw. And so the Hell way yeah. they like debuted him was like someone's in the ring and all of a sudden they're like, what's that? What's that sound? Is that a chainsaw? And this just chainsaw <laughs> cuts open the ring and a guy in a leather face mask comes on and just goes, I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> (laughs) and it's like oh it's chainsaw charlie um and then chainsaw charlie's like i got my friend mcfoley and he's gonna beat you up and we're gonna have a match it's gonna be hardcore uh and that was when terry funk was like in his you know 50s uh and they're already like i how is this man not dead like it's just like his knees are probably fucking shot and he's like i'm still gonna do backflips and they're like terry you crazy motherfucker stop um but I don't like the name Chainsaw Charlie compared to the <laughs> name Terry Funk. And that's why I gave it a three. Because I think okay. Terry Funk is way cooler than Chainsaw Charlie.
1: No, that's fair. Terry Funk, at least... Chainsaw Charlie sounds very generic. Yes. Or Terry Funk, there's a story there. There's a f- story. He's part
0: of the Funk family. That's the point. Um, yeah. Now, uh, Morgan, I do want to tell you about next week's episode. Uh, Please. Called money honey um okay and first our Baywatch wiki description Mitch is offered the lead role in an action movie when the star is injured but risks losing his role when he rejects the amorous advances of the film's producer meanwhile I, I said you're gonna like it better not you're gonna love it <laughs> meanwhile Shani tries to raise money to keep an animal rescue organization from shutting down here's okay. the IMDB description Having financial problems, Mitch and Eddie get lifeguard jobs at a private Malibu beach party thrown by Dita, a brash Hollywood movie producer. When Dita witnesses Mitch rescue a group of people, she makes him an offer to appear as the lead in an action movie after the original star is incapacitated by an accident, while Harvey masquerades as Mitch's agent. Meanwhile... Oh no... Oh, okay. No, never mind. I hate this. Meanwhile, Shani organizes <laughs> the bikini contest in order to raise oh. $50,000. There we go. For a marine organization <laughs> dedicated to helping injured sea animals with Harvey's help, who plays another prank by entering the contest himself. Okay, so never Great. mind. I hate it. Uh, yep. We also have, I just want to, you know, we're going to reread this later, but I want to read mm-hmm. you the Sand Crab 277 review. Of money, honey, which is titled "This Program Is Ridiculous." <laughs> I hope you're ready, Morgan, because this is going to destroy you. Okay. Why keep that putz Monty Markham? He's as useless <laughs> as teats on a boar hog.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the writers and producers have to find some way to evolve him in the script oh, each shit. episode. Dump him and the ratings will improve greatly, especially if you replace him with a stunning babe. There is no way oh, you could god raise fifty grand with a bikini contest. A thousand, perhaps, of the babes are awesome and not set extras. Oh my god! This review is from December sixteenth, twenty twenty. So, Sandcraft. Oh, Sandcraft. Oh, no reviewing things. Let me also. Uh, Oh, my God. So, yeah, he has a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of reviews. Uh, he has over a 1,000 episode reviews. He's been an IMDb member for 14 years. Holy shit. Um, one moment. I want to find something just to prove a point here. Sure. Uh, oh, my God. He has 1,029 reviews. Uh, okay. Uh, I got to find something that's not Burn Notice reviews. So give me one second <laughs> here. Uh, he rates basically nothing good. What the fuck is Zuma Beach? Sorry, hold on. <laughs> Baiting Rocksinger goes to the beach to get away from it all and winds up getting
1: involved in the lives of teenage beachgoers? Okay, whatever. Uh, I mean, I guess when you have a name like Sandcrab277, like you know your thing and you're going to stick to it. Yeah.
0: Okay, here's one. Here's one. This is another review by Sandcrab277. Uh, a season one episode of MacGyver. Ooh. He's, it gives it a one out of 10 and says this is <laughs> the worst series on TV after Star Trek. He says, I have so many opinions, even about that first sentence. <laughs> now, you're going to understand here that this this oh, this review contradicts itself. OK, Dana Elkar, the poor sign director. Do you know the word poor sign? Isn't it, like, related to horses or something? Related to pigs. Pigs, duh. The poor sign director Pete Thornton of the Phoenix Foundation that Richard Anderson works for is actually Elmer Fudd in disguise. The series series writers devise all kinds of situations to make use of Anderson's DIY skills to create a mountain from a molehill. It's way beyond my comprehension why people watch such tripe. Uh, So, you know... Uh, he's like it's way behind your comprehension. Yet also, you decided to use the word poor sign. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's just yeah, huh? Yeah, no. He he's not he's not he's not great. Uh, <laughs> uh, but also, like I'm looking more at like you know his reviews. Apparently, there's more reviews I skipped over from season one. Uh, he he liked cruise ship, but doesn't mention anything about the abuse. Hey. Um, shocking yeah uh crown of the shallows he said they should move this series to australia um not <laughs> not sure not sure why uh, okay. that would help uh you know see so yeah, I point it put, put the point is oh ho, ho, ho. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. The two. Sorry. Two out of ten sex in the city review titled Horse Face Traps or Mr. Big. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. OK. So, yeah. Anyways, point is, point is, yeah. point is, uh, <laughs> he, he does not like things. And we're going to keep reading things because it makes <laughs> me laugh uh, to see how much I disagree, even when I agree that episodes mm-hmm. are bad. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It sucks for none of the reasons you listed. Um, yes. So, you know, we have that coming up, and then after that, we have some more guest act, guest actors, guest voice, guests? guest,
1: guests? What do you call them? Guest, 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 guess guest, guest, guest. I think guess, we're gonna call them guest guests. I think that's a great idea, be- and will not be confusing at all. Nope. Some
0: more guest <laughs> guests on this show. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Coming up in a few weeks, so be very excited mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. I am, I am looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that about wraps up my, my thoughts on this year episode. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, Michael? Before we wrap this all up, uh, from
0: what I remember, Vanessa Angel will be on another episode of this okay.
1: season. Or I could be completely fucking wrong. Uh, I do feel like I remember seeing that she was in another two part later in the series. I don't remember if it was this season or not. Uh, she might be in the one where Eddie is accused of rape. But there's just a lot of.
0: Boy. God, this season is really obsessed with yeah. with the socially conscious issues. I mean, the show is trying to earn itself a fucking Emmy. That's why. But it's also mm-hmm. not good enough to win an Emmy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think especially about how later on in the show, they're like, oh, let's not talk about rape. Let's talk about cancer. And I'm like, you can't put cancer next to pro wrestling and be like, this is what the Emmy <laughs> the Emmy voters want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: They, they don't want you to go, I have cancer. And then next thing you have Hulk Hogan going, I'm going to crush you. Yeah. You know? It doesn't work like that. So... I, uh, you know, I do want to see more of her. I liked her a lot mm-hmm. in this episode. Uh, yeah, she was good. I think she's a great actress. I don't think our French stewardess is a great actress. I really hate Harvey. She was fine. Um, yeah. I'm going to look up really quickly just because I need to know this right now how long he stays in the show.
1: Uh, because I don't want him to stay here very long. Yeah, I would be okay with him not being in more episodes just in general. So. Harvey
0: is a main character for season Ooh. two of
1: Baywatch. And that is it. Oh, okay. So, a, so only another twenty episodes until we're done with him. In fact,
0: he is only in eleven episodes of, oh, okay. of Baywatch. Uh in fact, in fact, until we get to season eight. He is the other than Kelly Slater, who is a professional surfer. He has the shortest tenure of any person on Baywatch. Hmm. Um, Technically, Gina has 12 appearances because you count the pilot movie. So she has more. Uh, And technically, Trevor has 11 appearances. But Trevor is better. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, we want to see much of him. Harvey is really just the worst
1: version of the Trevor character
0: to make it, to make this put in more into context over the course of the series, there's only 15 appearances for court and it already is like, man, I'd rather have way more court than I would, you know, than I would Harvey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And absolutely. Like Jill has 22 appearances and she gets, and you're like, that feels like nothing for her. So my hope is this is going to feel like absolutely nothing for Harvey um, that's, that's, I mean, that's my, it's my hope, at least. Yeah. Uh, uh it's mine as well. <laughs> especially since, you know, after Harvey, I think they realize, oh, well, Harvey sucks. So they really upped the ante on season three by introducing five new main characters. Oh, wow. Uh, one of which is Pamela Anderson. Um, sure. But yeah, they introduced five new main cast characters. Uh, and that's still while keeping Shawnee and Eddie. So we're going to get a lot of, you know, Garner becomes main. Hobie is main. Mitch is main. Eddie and Shawnee are main. Uh, ben is around. I don't think Monty, I don't think Thorpe is but you add five on top of that and you're just like
1: stacked with characters. Yeah, that's a packed cast. I'm I'm curious to see how they handle that next season. It'll be interesting. Probably well since people like it, but also probably
0: badly because it's Baywatch. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess all that's left to say is thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrap. I am at Snot Snit, Snotsnit. S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. Uh, we'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Ugh. mm <laughs>